Wait, stagflation? What year is this? Stagflation. Ugh, nasty stuff. Hey friends, welcome to the Press Club C Podcast. I'm Ray Keating. In this 79th episode, we're going to look at the return uh, of stagflation and what to do about it. But before getting into this, let's quickly answer that key question once more. What the heck is the Press Club C? Anyway, each letter stands for stuff we talk about. P is for politics. R is for religion, mainly Christianity. E is for economics. S is for sports. That second S is for stories, books and writing, my own books, other books, fiction, nonfiction, so on and so on. C is for culture, pop culture and otherwise. L is for life, the big catch-all. U is for understanding lessons in areas like history and economics and so on. B is for business and entrepreneurship. And that last C in Press Club C is for conservative. And why? Because I am one. And in particular, because we have to make things very clear these days, I'm a, I am not a populist nor am I a nationalist. I, neither of those, by the way, I would, I would say are conservatives. I'm a Reagan, Buckley, Coolidge, Lincoln, Madisonian kind of conservative. Now, I also hope, folks, that you'll consider purchasing any or all of my Pastor Stephen Grant thrillers and mysteries. If you don't know, Stephen Grant is a pastor at St. Mary's Lutheran Church on Long Island, but he used to be a Navy SEAL and a CIA operative. Cool, right? During 15 books in this series, just so far, because there are more coming, readers come to see Grant didn't fully leave that old life behind. So with a wide-ranging group of recurring characters, from his days with the agency to his parish work, the reader <clears throat> is treated to action, suspense, humor, um, relationships, faith, love, adventure, mystery, all that stuff, opportunities for reflection and discussion as well. So please... <clears throat> consider the uh, paperbacks or the Kindle editions over at Amazon.com. And guess what? You get signed books at RayKeatingOnline.com. I really do appreciate the consideration. And for those that have you, uh, those of you <laughs> who have been reading the Pastor Stephen Grant thrillers and mysteries and have given me some nice feedback, I really do appreciate it. Now, <clears throat> let's get back to the return of stagflation, unfortunately. Now, I dealt with, in my other podcast, Free Enterprise in Three Minutes, I just did a quick, well, three minutes, on what stagflation is. I'll cover that again here, but head over there if you want to get a quick three-minute take. But I want to delve a little deeper into what we're, what's going on here, how do you deal with stagflation, what exactly it is, a little bit of the history, and so on. So in case you missed it, um, and I don't know how you could have if you went to the, uh, you know, the grocery store recently or stopped and filled up your uh, tank with gasoline. Inflation came in at a, I would call a red hot 0.8% in February. Um, this is the consumer price index inflation. And over the past year, it ran at a, uh, uh, 8%, almost 8%. That's scorching. So obviously, you know, this is brutal for consumers, for investors, you know, for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Why? the Well, the purchasing power of the dollar is declining. Um, costs increase, uncertainty reigns um, regarding, you know, where inflation is headed from month to month, uh, how it relates to interest rates. Um, also, taxes um, increase. Uh, just, you know, I, I don't want to get too far into that right now. Maybe that's a, an issue for another show. 
In fact, I think it is. But <clears throat> just understand that, you know, for example, capital gains are not in indexed for inflation. So when inflation comes into um, the equation, the capital, the real capital gains tax goes higher. In fact, you can, you can pay a tax on a capital loss. That's insane. All right. So, and to keep things straight, let's <clears throat> remind ourselves what inflation actually is. Inflation is a, an ongoing rise in the general price level. Um, it's not about the price of one item or the prices of a particular sector rising. It's about, again, an ongoing widespread rise in prices, you know, like across the economy. And that's exactly what we're dealing with now. So it is important that our thinking on inflation, and inflation is one of those areas where there's a lot of mixed thinking, muddled thinking. Heck, sometimes in my own head, I've been trying to figure this out for many, many years. Uh, but we need to get grounded in some basic economics and, and certainly push the politics aside. Um, it's always good to go back to Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman, Uncle Milty, as we economists say. And he famously wrote, quote, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output, close quote. So put another way, you know, we boil that down to inflation is about too much money chasing too few goods. And consider that the Fed, Federal Reserve, has been running loose monetary policy without any precedent in the history of our nation since late summer, get this, 2008. <clears throat> now, the obvious question, which I have been wrestling with, right, uh, is, well, why didn't inflation ignite before the start of 2021, when this latest bout did ignite? So as I said, I've been wrestling with this. There are, there are a host of possible reasons um, to explore as to why inflation remained tame for so long. And again, maybe that's the subject of another podcast. Go over to Free Enterprise in three minutes. And I did a few uh, episodes there on inflation. But for our purposes here and now, it's clear that, you know, supply chain problems and constraints combined with consumer demand still running strong was the spark, at least for this current round of inflation. However, you know, this loose money has ensured that this spark um, turned into an ongoing rise in the general price level. That is, you know, true inflation. All right. So what about stagflation, Keating? Right? Why well, this is, you said this is about stagflation. So um, stagflation has been mentioned here and there over the years, but we haven't really suffered a major bout of stagflation for some four decades. Um, you know, it's, it's 40 years ago is when we were last truly, as I wrote in one piece, stuck in the muck and mire of stagflation. So, of course, the question is, what is it? Um, what is stagflation? So it's a combination, the word makes it pretty clear, combination of high inflation with a slow recessionary or stagnating economy. Okay, hence stagflation. Now, interestingly, the Fed, 
um, itself in its latest economic projections has pointed towards stagflation without explicitly saying so, of course, because, you know, if you say that, if you admit that, uh, you're kind of admitting that eh, we didn't really do our job very well. But, you know, in terms of the Fed's economic projections, and listen, you can't get into a discussion of how far out can you have a legitimate <clears throat> uh, economic estimates that are not just, you know, a guessing game or just taking the past and projecting into the future, right? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to go beyond a year. And even that, obviously, is pretty shaky. But uh, predicting the future is hard. Um, the, so the range of estimates from the Fed on real GDP growth. And again, uh, when the media reports this stuff, they tend to go with the median, you know, what's in the middle there. But now you want the range because this gives you an idea of how uncertain this stuff is. So the range on real GDP growth for 2022 from the Federal Reserve between 2.1% and 3.3%. That's pretty substantial. As I said, the uncertainty here, that's a pretty wide range. It's also, <clears throat> interestingly, down a heck of a lot from the previous estimate for 2022 from the Fed. That range was 3.2% to 4.6%. So <clears throat> we're pulling in. The Fed's pulling in its economic growth projections for this year in a big way. Now, what about inflation? So the Fed zeroes in. I won't get, you know, the PCE inflation. Personal consumption expenditures, blah, blah, blah. It's just another measure of inflation. Uh, now, this measure has been running at better than 6% over the past year. So what's the Fed uh, estimating for 2022? They have a range of 3.7% to 5.5%. Now, compare that to their previous estimate for the year, which was 2% to 3.2%. That's a major step up. Uh, in inflation projections, right? So even if you think the Fed is being, whether you think the Fed's being optimistic or not regarding this these uh, this inflation rate projection, the shift is striking, right? The shift in both GDP and inflation are both in the wrong direction. They're in the directions you don't want to see, right? <clears throat> So they're pulling their projections for economic growth down and their projections for inflation up. Um, and when you look at it, you know, <clears throat> if you're talking about below average economic growth, which is what the Fed is projecting for the most part, and inflation running anywhere from, you know, almost 4% to 5.5%. Well, guess what? That's stagflation, folks. It's certainly not as bad as the stagflation that we suffered in the late 1970s and very early 1980s. But it's a real degree of stagflation, nonetheless. It's not fun, not good. Um, <clears throat> and by the way, in terms of that, <laughs> in terms of that, that the Fed's estimates um, regarding inflation, that's it's pretty easy to make the case that that's a best case scenario because again, the Fed is assuming that their own policy making is correct, right? But compare that to uh, most recent economic forecast from the conference board. They're looking for real growth to run at less than 2% for 2022 and inflation running around 6%. That's depressing. That's stagflation. Uh, yikes. So, you know, just to give you a little bit more on this term stagflation, understand that it did arrive on the scene 
in the 1970s. And again, it was late 70s and early 80s where we suffered, you know, sluggish growth, including two recessions. You know, some people counted it one big recession or two separate recessions. Either way, not good. And fire, very high, (laughs) easy for me to say, very high inflation. Now, the interesting thing was, you know, at that time, and still today, I would argue, Keynesian economic thinking dominated policymaking. Um, you know, that's really been the case since World War II. And it was particularly the case, you know, from the end of World War II, um, or you could even say back into the, the Great Depression, um, up until the very late 70s, very early 80s. So why do we we raise the you know the red flag there or the stop sign or the warning signal um, at that particular time in the late seventies and early eighties? Because the Keynesians had no answer for stagflation, right? Keynesian economics emphasizes aggregate demand, so government spending and tax cuts um, need to juice up aggregate demand when the economy falters. And then Keynesians would argue that when excessive aggregate demand generates inflation, then aggregate demand needs to be reined in. That is, economic growth needs to slow to prevent or stop the economy from so-called overheating. Um, That's why you hear, you know, these talking heads on various news and financial networks and so on saying, you know, well, what we need to do is we need to, to fight inflation, we need to raise interest rates and slow the economy. So they argue that the best um, answer to uh, inflation is, uh, you know, killing economic growth. Not Remember what we said before, inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. So they're arguing for making, their, their argument amounts to let's make even fewer goods. Anyway, <clears throat> the Keynesian way, you know, to rein in aggregate demand, it's it's done via less government spending and higher taxes. Now, of course, today's Keynesians never argue for less government spending. So do with that what you will. Um, but either way, this Keynesian formula couldn't deal with uh, faltering economic growth or aggregate demand and high inflation. It simply didn't compute for Keynesians. So interestingly, at the time, we're hearing this a little bit here and there today, but back in the in the late 70s, very early 80s, led many Keynesian economists to simply declare that, hey, the economy has changed, and therefore, the public simply needs to accept stagflation as economic reality going forward. Really? Well, history tells us that, you know, once the a recession ended that second little recession, not not little by any means, that second recession I mentioned there. When that ended in late 1982, well, it turns out the rest of the 1980s saw economic growth rebound strongly and inflation come down. How could that be? Well, um, most people point exclusively to the tightening of monetary policy by the Fed chairman at the time, Paul Volcker. Now, I'm not going to get into a debate today whether Volcker's uh, policies made sense. I think directionally they did, but did he go too far? We'll leave that for another day. However, it is important to point out, and this is what most people don't, many economists ignore, the counteractions to inflation 
<clears throat> were two pronged, right? So you had both aspects of too much money chasing too few goods being addressed. Thankfully, the Fed reined in loose money. However, also changes in tax, regulatory, and trade policies, specifically providing substantive tax and regulatory relief, and at least, you know, not perfectly so, but advancing free trade. That combination established a foundation upon for economic growth to occur. That is, the production of more goods and services, of course, subject to market competition and consumer sovereignty, right? So you set up, you removed barriers, governmental barriers, you reduced them so that the private sector could flourish. Crazy, right? Whoa. And a kind of virtuous cycle kicked in with economic growth accelerating, inflation declining. And yes, then in turn, lower inflation helping to further fuel economic growth. That's what we want, folks. That's what we should be shooting for. This was the supply-side economics solution to stagflation. That is, monetary policy geared toward reining in inflation, while other policies, if you want to call them all under the umbrella of fiscal policy, focused on spurring the economy forward, not by you know, spend, having government spend more money, by incentivizing the engines of growth, such as entrepreneurship and investment, via, what again? Tax and regulatory relief, and for the most part at the time, expanding free trade or starting to expand free trade. So we take these lessons, we take our economic principles, and we ask what's needed now. Well, unfortunately, we're getting the exact opposite of what we need right now. Um, so the Fed, let's talk about what we need. The Fed needs to get serious about getting back to sound money. Now, ideally, what does that look like? That would mean making clear to the markets that it will be reining in the money supply and specifically the monetary base, right? Currency and circulation and bank reserves, what the Fed has direct control over, right? And preferably, and I know this is a dream, leaving the setting of interest rates to the markets. Crazy. All right, that's what the 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 ideal scenario from the monetary policy end of things. What we're going to get, it, the best we can probably realistically hope for is they don't go too far on the interest rate front um, and they actually do rein in the monetary base, but we'll see. Now, what else is needed? Well, Congress and the White House need to turn away from this current agenda which is very much focused on higher taxes, increased regulation. My goodness, the Biden administration and this Congress are in love with more regulation on all fronts, antitrust, labor, uh, uh, the environment. They're just regulatory crazy. <clears throat> and we need to also turn away from these protectionist trade policies that were started by President Trump and very much continue under President Biden, right? This agenda serves to stifle economic growth. Instead, we need to advance a truly pro-growth agenda, right? And that means we need 
I would argue, substantive and permanent tax and regulatory relief. And we need to advance free trade. We need to get back to being the global leader on free trade. Now, listen, going back to those examples from like the late 70s and then what happened in the 1980s, understand that, you know, I mentioned regulation, how crazy regulatory happy the Biden administration and Congress are right now. Understand the only period of time for what we for which we have data going back, right, where we can do a serious analysis, the only period of time where you had true regulatory relief, reduced regulatory burdens on American entrepreneurs and businesses and workers was during the 1980s. It actually started in the very late 70s, and it continued through the 1980s um, under President Reagan's uh, leadership. The same thing with taxes. You know, we've had other times, obviously, where we've had substantive tax relief, the 1920s, the Kennedy tax cuts of the 1960s, uh, and so, and the Reagan tax cuts of the 80s. But so the, these were significant shifts in policy um, that made a real difference in terms of uh, expanding the incentives for again, entrepreneurship, investment, business development, so on and so on, with productivity gains and economic gains and income gains and so on as the result. And guess what? Lower inflation. So this was, you know, again, more growth, less inflation. It's possible. You just have to get the policy mix right. Unfortunately, the Fed, I would argue, even with everything that's been said recently, is is still rather casual about its dealings with inflation these days. And of course, the Biden administration and the current Congress, easy for me to say, current Congress, seem bent on doing the exact opposite of what's needed. So, you know, let's hope and pray that we get uh, policy pushed in the right direction. Otherwise, we're in for some rough economic times. On that happy note, thanks for listening. Your feedback and suggestions are welcome. Please check out my various endeavors and books. Uh, Again, the Pastor Stephen Grant Thrillers and Mysteries. Um, I've got a new series that I'm starting. The first book in that series will be coming out very soon, Cathedral and Alliance of St. Michael novel. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, My recent nonfiction books, Free Trade Rocks. We talked about trade here. Check out why Free Trade Rocks and Free Trade Rocks. Um, my collection of essays and columns behind enemy lines. Um, I've also got uh, a new book on the economics front coming out. Um, I'll just share that. The title will be The Weekly Economist, so keep an eye out for that. I will certainly let you know when uh, pre-orders are available. That will be very, 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 very soon, folks. Um, also, uh, check out some of my other endeavors, the Free Enterprise of Three Minutes podcast, uh, Disney Biz Journal, and so on. And and thanks again so much for listening. I appreciate your feedback and God bless.